Hey folks, Joni here. And with me is a pop quiz. Can you name a Charlotte-based musician who has won a Grammy Award and a BET Award and has hit the top of the R&B music charts? That's right. We're talking about Greg Cox, the North Carolina producer and songwriter whose brand new record, appropriately titled Milestone, charted right next to The Weeknd and Her. In honor of his new release and the much-deserved recognition, we're revisiting our 2019 interview with the rising artist and hearing his thoughts on how to center your passion with your purpose. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation, and I hope you stay safe and stay inspired. Community. Community is everything. When you get around people, the best parts of you come out. You become a better person, a better version of yourself. And I think that's what um, the future is for Charlotte, is everybody coming out of their pockets and like, what y'all doing over here? What y'all doing over there? You know, what's happening? What's going on? I'm Joni Deutsch, and from WFAE in Charlotte, this is Amplifier the music podcast where we shine a light on the artist who calls Charlotte home. Because Charlotte is more than just a banking city or a football city. So every other Thursday on this podcast, we're going to explore the people, places, and things that help define the Queen City's crown sound. And today, we'll hear from the North Carolina native who was raised in the church and found his voice through gospel, R&B, and soul music. That's coming up on Amplifier. Amplifier. And then the beat will drop. Amplifier. 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 Can you introduce yourself? And tell us what you do. I am Greg Cox. I am a singer, songwriter, producer. And I do it pretty good, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here. I must do it pretty good. I'm with Joni. Yeah. Well, I hear that one of the reasons that you uh, do it pretty good, as you say, is because of where you came from, because of your father, because of your family. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I want to start off the interview really talking about how your father, Jonathan Sauls, for those who don't know, uh, how he played a really big role, not just in your musical life, but in the lives of those in North Carolina. Huge. So my dad is a huge inspiration, gospel legend i guess in like southern quartet and um he had his own style and produced for a lot of people wrote songs for a lot of people had a really big hit song in the 90s toured a lot and uh just served in his local church and uh he was held in high regard we look a lot alike so he would be um Walking into places with me and, and my family, and um, people would just be like, hey, they, they call him Bo Peep, is his nickname. It's like, hey, Bo Peep. And they'll look at me and be like, oh, they go little Bo Peep. So I was always like, little Bo Peep. 
But yeah, he was great. Um, amazing songwriter, amazing producer, amazing singer, and um, a phenomenal performer. Like you would hate to come behind him. Like I still would hate to come behind him. Even at my shows, I'm like, oh my God, this guy's here. He's amazing. Come on, put some hands like for you being raised in that kind of musical family um so i would see him during the summer and my mom would take me to go and see him him my mom split pretty early i was like four they split and my dad just had a lot of fun i'll put it that way (laughs) had a lot of fun on the road and i would go see him and uh, he would just kind of stop what he was doing and take me around his studio late nights early mornings showing me that stuff so I learned the work ethic I learned that um working hard in music world looks different than probably what other people would do nine to five wise so um those those kind of jobs became weird to me and what my dad was doing became normal to me so he taught me how to go after what you actually want to do it was work ethic and it was a way to ease a room he taught me that like when when he walked into the room the room became better music that he performed it mm-hmm. was it was gospel music yeah so growing up with that kind of genre yeah uh, what was that like for you magical magical songs that he would write would literally be conversations that he had with his mom or someone in bible study you know um that would uplift people you know working class people um you know even even affluent people as well could relate to it. The gospel message um, reaches the world. You know, it's like the entire world. So it's like whether you have like a million dollars in your bank account or like, you know, 0.5 cent or you're in a negative. He made songs that made everyone feel connected together, you know. So it changed me. It changed my outlook on, on life. It changed my outlook on what music could do for people who are different and um, put them on the same wavelength. What about yourself in making music when you were younger? What was like your go-to instrument, your song, style? I thought I was a rapper when I was younger. Like probably, I don't know, maybe, I I can't make this assumption for other people, but I I thought I was a rapper when I was younger. I used to make beats for people 
right? And like in high school, that was the thing. So I would make beats and I would sell them to rappers, like 50 bucks. And then I started writing my own raps and I was like, you know, because some of the guys sucked. And I was like, well, I could be better than this guy. So I started out as a rapper. I had this one rap that I would do everywhere I went, right? So I wrote one rap. So it, it goes like this. It's like, um, yo, it's incredible. My flows leave you needed for medical. It's impossible for me to sit down, chill out, and settle, but I'm going to hit you with something that I could earn with a medal, right? So I would say that, but I would say it at different tempos, and I would say it to different people. So when I would go around another group, I'd be like, yo, it's incredible. My flows leave you needed for medical. It's impossible, you know? And then i go around somebody else, and I'd be like, Yo, it's incredible. My flow's leaving me for medical. Was it possible for me to say? Like, I do like that. And then, like, so then I just automatically think, like, oh, this guy is just amazing. I would be saying the same rhyme for, like, two years, and nobody caught it. <laughs> so I thought I was a rapper at first. And then when I figured out, like, how hard it was to rap songs, I was like, I'm going to just produce. And I really didn't have anything to write about. Up until, like, maybe 17, 18, I was like, life really started happening. And I could write, you know, to that and channel those e emotions. I just loved chord structure and, like, how chords, like, certain chords back-to-back -back change your mood and change how you feel. So I was, uh, I was just into music theory and stuff. And then I figured out words could do that later. What were you listening to around that time? Oh, man. Okay, so the first album I got into was um, my dad actually got me D'Angelo Voodoo. That album changed my life. Pino Palladino was playing bass on that. James Poyser, Questlove, who's now like the drummer for The Roots. All those guys were in Electric Lady Studios just making amazing vibrations. It was crazy. Changed my life. I didn't understand a word what D'Angelo was saying, but it was incredible. I don't think anybody did. This was before the internet. So D'Angelo, definitely. And then my stepdad was a huge Fred Hammond fan. And my mom loved Anita Baker, Whitney Houston, and like Ricky Dillard. My mom was all over the place, gospel-wise. She just loved... Anything that made her cry, she just loved it. Well, you mentioned Whitney Houston. Yeah. And, you know, some people nowadays in, in 2019, it, their first thought isn't Whitney Houston gospel. Sure. It's Whitney Houston pop. Pop, so 100%. It, it's nice to remember that a lot of the stars that we consider, you know, the the stars of music now, yeah. that is where they got their, their basis of musicality. It was from gospel. Oh, 100%. The church is a breeding ground for talent. Like, that's where record label scouts would go to just see who was singing. It wasn't like a – you don't go to the karaoke bar to find talent. You know what I'm saying? Especially not in the black community. You go to church. You know, Aretha Franklin, Stevie Wonder, Smokey. I could just continue to go on and on and on about, like, where the best singers are. The best singers, like, in the world, black church. Just go. Like, even here in Charlotte, like, there's Have Life. There's, like, a bunch of churches here where I would just go and you would be wild by an amazing song 
once you get that vocal ability and, and the, like the conviction behind their voice and what they're singing and stuff like that, you know, a voice like Whitney Houston, and then you give her the song like on the bodyguard. And, uh, and it's just magic. One of my um, friends told me um, a great song couldn't be destroyed by a bad singer. Neither could a bad song be saved by a great singer. So the power of a song with the power of an amazing vocalist is like dynamite. So that's where they go. They go to the church, man. They want to go. I want the goosies. Give me the goosies, you know, those feelings. about that kind of intersection of of gospel of pop of r&b of soul yeah because i think there's still a divide of sorts where it feels like you can't necessarily bring those genres all together in one artist that you have to be two feet in one or the other and it can't be one foot in each sure it's an easy conversation for me mainly because i create from the same place spiritually Sometimes people like, I mean, there's songs that are actually gospel songs that people don't even know were gospel songs, like Oh Happy Day. When people are watching Sister Act 2, they're like, why does this feel so amazing? Oh Happy Day. But they literally say, when Jesus washed, right, all my sins away. It's like, you don't get any more like Christian than that. But because the song felt so good or even happy, like Pharrell, happy, that song in the verses, you know, so that is something about the sacredness of being amongst people that think the same way and want to uplift each other that connects, you know, and there's a spiritual aspect to it as well. It's like, you know, that I believe it it brings us back to the origin of why we were created to be here. You know, it's bigger than musicians just playing music. For me, it's, um, I create music from the same place. Like I create music from like what I need to hear. When I, uh, I made a song called good day. So when I, when I made that song, I was actually with my mom she has cancer. She has breast cancer. So we were in the office um, getting ready to do some labs and stuff. And this is probably like our fifth visit after she was told that she had eight weeks to live. 
So this was 12 weeks after that. So we were sitting there and we're like, we ain't believing these doctors no more. We are 12 weeks later. We good. We are laughing. There's a piano in the waiting room. So we're playing songs in the waiting room, just like old Kirk Franklin songs, like old stuff. And she was like, I can feel like today. I can feel it in the air. Like Today's going to be a good day. I can feel it. And that just stuck with me. She probably don't even remember saying that. But that just stuck with me that she was so in into the time of the moment that she kind of, like, it allowed her when you're in, a, in that place, it allows you to kind of slow yourself down. She wasn't even thinking about tomorrow, next week. You live in the moment of now, like these seconds that just passed by that we'll never get back. Like, you live now. And you're in this moment. And I was like, man, I wish I had like a song that made me feel like what my mom made me feel. So I took a shot at it and I made Good Day. And I think I got pretty close. Since you mentioned Kirk Franklin, oh uh, yeah, a, a, just a moment ago, I, I want to talk a little bit about him and his role in, in your music career. And, sure. And can you kind of give us, uh, listeners a sense of who he is and what he's been able to do? Sure. Kirk Franklin is, to me, one of the best composers, producers, writers, performers of all time. Not even just, like, he, you can't put him in a box. But he's this short guy who makes these amazing songs for everyone in the world to enjoy. And it's not just so- I mean, just songs. They are award-winning songs. Grammy he, Award. Yeah. He hasn't made an album that hasn't won a Grammy. Or also a Dove Award, which or for those Dove who don't Award. know, yeah. Dove is basically the equivalent of a, a Grammy, but for gospel or for spiritual music. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I don't think he's had a year where he hasn't put out music where he hasn't won. It's like literally going like Golden State winning a championship every year. <laughs> like, oh, Steph's playing. Oh, they're winning. It's like... <laughs> Literally every time, like 13 albums, 13 Grammys, like it's ridiculous. And I mean, he's just kind of hard to describe him because he's just, Kirk is like, he's he's an icon. He is a music icon, living, breathing music icon. How'd you get connected with him? Um, So short story, my best friend KJ Scriven sent my album that I put out, it's called Etc. Put sent that album to... Ron Hill, who was um, managing Kirk at the time. Um, And Ron Hill fell in love with it. 
told Kirk about it. I ended up meeting a rapper. His name is The Truth. He's also a theologian. He um, and I connected through KJ as well. And I ended up producing his album. So I produced The Truth album. The Truth and Kirk are good friends. So they did just like good friends do when they finish an album. They go sit with each other. Hey, listen to my album. And I'm all over The Truth's album. So we made that album together, me, him, and KJ, and um, and Phil. So Kirk asked him around, like, third or fourth song that I was on, like, who was this kid? And um, he was like, oh, that's my guy, Greg Cox. You know, and then Ron was like, hey, you know, this is this Greg I was telling you about. This is the album I love. So it was like two people coming at him at once. Like, I keep hearing about this kid. Who was this kid? And he said he had a song. On his, on his new album called Strong God, and he was trying to find someone to sing on. But he didn't want, like, the traditional gospel voice to be on it. He wanted someone, like, with something else. And I guess for him, when he heard my voice, it made sense. And he reached out, and they flew me out to Dallas to meet him and work with him on the song. Yeah, he's been like big bro ever since. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Cox. Coming up, Greg Cox on finding new soul and new inspiration for his music in Charlotte. That's right after this break on Amplifier. The government keep lying to me, telling me that they come to set the people free. But the power falls when you catch us on the knees. Heaven please, we're in a state of emergency. So we need a strong God, yeah. We need the real God, yeah. The God with the resurrection power from the grave. Take away the hate to heal the human race, yeah. We need a, we need a, I want to talk about Charlotte for yeah. for a little bit because we're we're talking about how you were raised uh, in music, but that wasn't in Charlotte. That was elsewhere in North Carolina. Yeah, I was in Wilson. So, what brought you to the Queen City? Okay, so uh, KJ Scriven, he's a Grammy Award winning songwriter and artist. KJ Scriven was my best friend. Um, we were doing a lot of music together, traveling together as he was growing and. He said he felt called to a local church, Transformation Church. He wanted to get off the road. Like, man, I just, I'm, I've been on the road too much, traveling too much. I felt like it was like the fame was getting to him, you know? He said it was God. I was like, this is a mental breakdown. You know what Kanye went through? This is a mental breakdown. The fame is getting to him, you know, the demand and you traveling so much, you know, that kind of stuff. And I felt like... um Somebody needed to talk to him. I was like, somebody just needs to talk to him. Like, who can get through to this guy? Like, so I was playing keys with him, and I would, like, organize the band and stuff wherever he went. That's where I went. And um, and I was tied to that. So when he made a decision to come to Charlotte, I was like, bro, what are you doing? Like, we, you know, we just, you're just now starting to kind of catch your thing. And he was, you know, he felt called. He was like, man, I just... I, I know things. I know we just won a Grammy. I know we're like, now we're not driving everywhere. People are flying us out. 
I know it's like kind of double what we were getting early on and I want to stop. And I'm like, why <laughs> God? And then at that point I didn't really, I mean, I didn't, I wasn't like an atheist. I was like probably agnostic. Like I was like, yeah, I believe there's a higher power, but like Jesus being the savior of the world. Yeah. I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> and we would debate about that, you know. But I really, for a second there, had a moment where either this is God or he's losing his mind. Turns out he didn't lose his mind. <laughs> he was he was definitely on point. He's, he definitely heard God because we ended up at a really dope um, local church called Transformation Church with Pastor Durant Gray and uh, Vicki Gray, all those amazing people out there. They changed my life. You know, I went out there just sort of lost with what I didn't even really know what I, what to do. You know, I knew I knew I loved music. I knew I loved, you know, creating it. And I knew I loved, like, being around, like, really good people, good vibes and stuff. But it was something deeper. For them, you know, they felt they felt called to love people. They wake up in the morning thinking about how can I love? How can I intentionally love somebody today? Like they allowed me to be open with them about what I believe when I went down there. Like, look, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm here because KJ stopped going on the road. <laughs> and I don't really believe in this Jesus stuff all the way. What, what that was rooted from, um, there was a scam ran in a church that I was a part of. And this lady got hundreds of thousands of dollars. People lost their homes and cars. And that was in Wilson, North Carolina. That was in Wilson, yeah. And the pastor of that church was just blindsided. He was just misled. And it hurt a lot of people. Me being one. And, and just kind of tarnished my faith. And like, I'm done with this whole thing. Like, come on, man. This is ridiculous. After that point, this is all about money. This is all about, you know, that's what I thought. But those people down there, Transformation Church, were consistent. And they loved me. And they took me to breakfast. And they just talked to me. And, like, maybe let me crash on our couch a couple times. You know, made sure I was good. And just loved on me. I figured out that they weren't acting. You know, because you think, like, oh, they're just acting to get me to be a part of this church. To move down to Charlotte. To move down to Charlotte and be a part of this. Until, like, I didn't go, and they were still checking on me. And I was like, oh, you actually care about me. And I think that's what KJ felt, too. And he was moved by that, too, because it wasn't about what we could do for them. It was just, like, people who just want to be with you and that drew me to charlotte and uh and then i wanted to kind of take that feeling after i learned like what love could do i wanted to see what i could do you know around charlotte that could help you know any way i could whether that be doing concerts or like um helping out at creative mornings or like any other nonprofit organizations or helping out at random events, connecting, collaborating with other artists. Yeah, that's, that's what I, uh, I ended up, like, creating the glue to keep me here. And what year was that that you officially made Charlotte your home? 2014. 
Yeah, so I've been here five years now. Yikes. Hopefully that's a good yikes. That's a good yikes. Yeah, it's good. Time flies when you're having fun, you know. <laughs> well, in addition to having fun in Charlotte, uh, you have made music in Charlotte, uh, yeah. not just with others, but for yourself. So yes. in uh, fall 2018, you released your full-length debut album. Yeah. It's titled Etc. Yes. And it takes that needle of a record player and it places it right into the grooves of gospel, R&B, and soul. Mm. Come on, Johnny. Come on. So smooth. I see what you did there. Every day's a day to be alive Sunshine and or not I've gotta be with you How did you approach Etc. as a record? It was exactly what I wanted to say. For me, I wanted to kind of showcase a guy being born in the 90s and also meshing everything that I am in one album. So, like, I would say I am gifted, but I'm also um, caring. I'm also selfish at times. I'm also, like, just every part of me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why I named the album, et cetera, because I'm all those things. And the vinyl, the saturation sound, just kind of, like shared like this old guy, right? This old technology where you have to like wait for the song. You got to hear the vinyl first before, <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? So it's like this old method of doing things wrapped in this new technology, in this new world. Or you're here like old strings, you know, like from an orchestra with trap drums, you know, spoken word. What's that one track that you keep seeing people gravitate towards more than the others? Oh, Bigger Dreams. So I'm going back to sleep. Yeah. Have some bigger dreams. Till I'm dreaming about you. Yeah, I'm going back to sleep. Lately I can see how I've been thinking too small This cherry red two-seater can't fit us all I've been thinking, baby, I've been thinking about me I've been selfish, been a jerk, and you've been so bored, etc., etc., so on and so forth But every time I wake up, I'm still thinking about me So Bigger Dreams is basically a song about me having bigger dreams, not just like for bigger stuff, like a big, oh, I, I, I thought I wanted a three-bedroom house. I need a six-bedroom house. It's not that. It's like um, my sensei told me, he was like, if your dreams only include you and what you want, 
your dreams are too small. You need bigger dreams. Your dreams need to include everyone. So I just took that concept and was like, man, I had to like, my dreams had to change. I can't continue to have these dreams that don't even reflect what I believe anymore. You know, there were dreams that were sold to me, made me feel like this is what I should be going after. And that those dreams had to change so I can think about other people in the process. Like, if you want a family with four kids, you can't have a Lamborghini. Where are you going to put the car seats? You, you ever seen a Lamborghini with car seats? No. Absolutely not. But you can't have a, you know, a cherry red two-seater with two kids and a dog and, a, you know, and a wife. You can't do that. It's, it's bigger than you. You mentioned earlier that the title for the record, et cetera, really applies to the things that you can do, the list of things that you can be and that you can sing and you can be a part of. I also took the title, et cetera, to mean the growing list of collaborations you've been a part of since mm. you moved to Charlotte um, mm. with all the songs and productions uh, you've been attached to over the years. For this record, et cetera, you had seven individuals listed as mm. being a part of the songs and the production. And even around the singles you've done in the last two years, you know, Jay Vito, who sings background for Anthony Hamilton, working with them, and Emily Sage, who folks may know as being an amplifier alum for this podcast. How do music collaborations play a role in your music and your approach to, to music in Charlotte? No, man, it's everything. It's everything. I People take your ideas and make them 10 times better or put an extra sort of sauce on it that you never thought you would like. It's like mind-blown. So, you know, Emily, I call her Emmy, She's like the little musical sister. I, I she she'll be fine with me saying this. She's like the white sister I never had, um, like white baby sister. And she's one of the best writers I've ever met. When I whenever I give her a song or whatever I'm thinking about anything, any other idea, she makes it better, like ten times better. She always says, you know what I you know what else I thought, Greg. You know what I thought. You remember you were telling me the other day about this, and then she'll just like present this like dope idea, and I'm like, "Yo, I didn't even think about that," you know. And she'll just start laughing, <laughs> like I knew this was dope, like this evil laugh, like I have known this was dope the whole time, and I've just been waiting for you to let me say it. Yeah, she just makes it better. Jay Vito, same way. Like, my brother, like, literally, we should have grown up together, but we we didn't. I feel like we did, but we didn't. Um, he can sing anything, literally anything. Um, I sent him the song Three Words, and he loved it because it has that kind of Southern gospel 
but hip hop vibe to it, which he grew up in as well. His dad's a pastor and like we talk about those kinds of things all the time. And he made that song 10 times better. Just his voice. They're, they're like instruments, you know. He made that song so much cooler. Communication is the key. I'm, 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 I can't say that enough. I, I really believe, I'm starting to really believe that communication is the key. I think communication is the key. We need to start communicating more. Let's just start communicating more. Let's have more conversation. You know? Let's just have more conversation. Cause you know like, at the end of the day, I mean both of us, you know shit. Baby, calm down. You ain't gotta talk loud. Scream and shout I know that you work hard Work late You know that we fight back When it's late Yeah, collaborating for me is It's everything I just put my favorite singers up here Where I'm like, if you had an album I would listen to it all the time So I wanted to like Show people People they would probably never hear. You know, they. I mean, I'm pretty sure there's somebody out there who's better than Michael Jordan that we never saw because they didn't have the same opportunity. You know what I'm saying? They didn't have the same opportunities. But we wouldn't know that because we just didn't get a chance to see it. So that's my way of like, these are some of the dopest people you probably never heard of. Man, community. Community is everything. Uh, after you've been isolated for a while and you get around people who love on you and just people you love being around just think about those people like when you get around them the best parts of you come out like you become a better person a better version of yourself and I think that's what um the future is for Charlotte is everybody coming out of their pockets and like, what y'all doing over here? What y'all doing over there? You know, what's happening? What's going on? Baby, oh baby, I've been waiting on the other side for you. Greg Cox's latest full-length release is titled Etc. It's available wherever fine music is streamed and sold. Amplifier is a production of WFAE. This episode was written and produced by me, Joni Deutsch. Our editor is Jadon Marshall. Our theme music is provided by Dirty Art Club. Share your favorite Charlotte music recommendations with me on social media. You can tag and follow me. I'm at a change of tune. Amplifier features a new musical episode every other Thursday. So make sure to subscribe to the Amplifier podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find podcasts. And if you're listening on NPR One, make sure to give us a heart or a favorite. Check out the playlist and show notes for today's episode, along with a Charlotte music map and a way for you to submit your music on our website, wfae.org slash amplifier. Until next time, I'm Joni Deutsch. Thanks for listening.